I have to ask you something because I was telling my wife, we watch your prophecy update uh, religiously. Okay. What did, did Under Armour drop you from their sponsorship? Oh, do I, I, no, I just grabbed a t-shirt today that has no Under Armour. Uh, well, what about Under Sundays? Oh, Sundays. I just decided to wear dress shirts. <laughs> <laughs> all so. of a sudden i you know i thought maybe maybe they didn't like what john had to say and you know under armor decided to drop their sponsorship no they weren't paying me anything anyway <laughs> so Um, so there's so much to talk about, uh, before we do though, before we get into it, uh, as always, cause there might be a lot of people, a lot of you that won't make it to the end of the video and you guys are going to get tired of me saying this, but I'm going to go to, um, a couple websites. So let me get there. Um, this is my website, the serpents and doves website. Uh, I say this in the beginning, if you guys like the content, you like what you're seeing, um, you can go ahead and on the top right-hand side, there's a little donate button right there. If you feel led to, by all means, please do. But as I always say, your tithes uh, go to your local church, wherever it is you're going to. This is just if you feel led above and beyond, that would be wonderful. Uh, the other way you could do it is uh, the shop tab. And there's just some stuff there. I haven't put anything up in a long time, but something's coming hopefully not too long from now. So uh, enough of that. And then now let's go to John, uh, John's website. Well, this is a church's website, right, John? Uh, t tell us a little bit. F what can yeah, they F find here? FBchapel.com. Yes. And there should be a link on there that will have an access to, uh, it'll take you to our YouTube channel. I, I think we might have a link there for Rumble and Odyssey. Uh, you can also go to a... It's down here at the a, bottom right here, right? These yeah, links down yeah. here. Okay. And then there's... Uh, also, I put my stuff on a, a channel that has an app called rtntv.org, okay. Remnant Truth Network. And so you can go to RTNTV and you can get the app. And somebody uploads my uh, prophecy updates every Sunday there. And on the occasion when I do a midweek one. Um, but I don't do a midweek one as we were talking because uh, it takes a lot of time. Oh boy, does it ever take a lot of time? We, how, how long did, did I spend here? What? Well, we were talking for a bit and then I spent what 40 minutes trying to figure all this stuff out. Um, yeah, I, I don't, you know, if I do one in the midweek at home, you know, because it's Sunday, I have, you know, some people run the video and the audio, and I just have to kind of stand up in front of the camera and plug my laptop in. But if I do it here, then I got to do all the editing, make sure the yep. levels are correct and edit out all the, coughs and the hymns and the haws and that type of, you know and and you know you know so to put up an hour video can take anywhere from eight to ten hours oh and yeah that's... it's insane for for listen for any of you guys that uh think this is just uh something really quick it takes an exor exorbitant amount of time to to do these and especially john you read so much i really don't know um how you you must really read quick and retain because sometimes I have to reread something over and over and just go, wait, what in the world were they just saying? So yeah, part of that may be a lawyer. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I always was able to retain things. I'll just tell you a quick war story. Yeah. Once I was in a deposition, um, 
out in Kansas City, and my co-counsel, she was, uh, we, we had a break. And while deposition was going on, I, would, I had a brief due, so I was typing the brief while I was listening to the deposition. And we went to the break, and she came up to me. She was just livid. She goes, you got to pay attention to this deposition. I said, what? So then I started quoting to her, like, large chunks of the deposition. <laughs> she goes, how do you do that? She goes, oh, you're like my son. You drive me crazy. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it, um, it could take a whole ton of time, a lot of time, but anyways, someone told me it's a labor of love and it is a labor of love. Uh, I think I probably speak for you too. We love doing this stuff. Um, and, uh, I, I couldn't see myself, uh, doing, doing any other, doing it any other way, but I'll be honest with you. I'm on the receiving end of having guests like yourself and, you know, pastor Brandon, Pete Garcia, Eric Barger, and so on and so forth. To me, this is like, I'm learning. This is school and I get it for free and uh, this is great. And hopefully everybody out there too learns a whole lot. So this is well, a those huge guys, I know all those guys you just mentioned. So. Yeah, you do. And you guys are all good friends. Um, okay. I'm going to link. Let me write this down because if I don't write this down, I'm going to totally forget. So here's my little notepad. Okay. I am going to link to Pastor Brandon's message that he gave at your church. What was that? Three weeks ago, four weeks ago, a month ago? I think it was late February. It was actually two months ago, I think. Okay. Um, I, I don't remember exactly, but it was amazing. Did it on the apostasy. It was great. I mean, wow, he was on fire. Uh, and and I'll, I'm going to link. I'm, I'm making myself a note right now. Um. You guys have to listen to it. It was at, at uh, John's church and uh, it was amazing, amazing, amazing. The other thing I'm going to link to as well is everybody, you've got to listen to John's uh, prophecy updates every week. They are chock full of information. Like you just said, he spends so much time. You said on a conservative number, how much, how many hours? Uh, probably about 30 hours. That's a lot. That is a whole lot of time. A lot. So before we get started, I want everybody to know John is a lawyer. So he has that that mind that thinks like a lawyer. I don't. I just, uh, ooh, the pretty birds, so nice, you know. But John has a very um, analytical mind, and so uh, this is going to be good. There's so much to cover. Brandon was here on February 20th. Okay, I can't believe it's been that long ago. All so right. I'm going to write that down at FBC. Okay, so let's get cracking. I know there was a lead off that you wanted to start off with, and um, let me get to it. I'm trying to remember. I want to say it was, nope, uh, it's okay. There it is right there. So let's start off with this one here. It was an article you sent me, and yeah, this is pretty insane. And then I'll play a clip of everybody's favorite president, number 44, and um, let's get started. So Okay, so, so this is... I don't know how much I need to set this up because this Please. is one of the things I've been talking about for many, many months. So let me let me just sort of set this up. So here's the article in the Daily Mail. And the interesting thing is I went through, like I, I subscribe to Press, Press Reader, Press Display, and I get access to all these newspapers. I've subscribed to the New York Times, Washington Post, Financial Times, Wall Street Journal, all this stuff. And so I, I looked on their websites today. Was, did they say anything about disinformation? And the answer was, I didn't find any mainstream media in the United States even discuss this issue. 
So I'm I get a little tired of having to go to like the Daily Mail or the Times of London to get information about what's going on in my own country. They're they're a whole ocean away. And our country doesn't cover this. Yep, that's true. So there has been this um, giant narrative that has developed. It grew out of the January 6th demonstration, riot, whatever you want to call it. I don't think you should call it an insurrection. You know, yeah. if people were doing an insurrection, they usually use weapons, and nobody had any weapons that day except the police. So, but let's call it a riot, demonstration, protest, whatever you want. And so what they did was they've tried to create this narrative. And, th and this is what Klaus Schwab with the World Economic Forum has done. One of his books came out with two books over the past year and a half. The Great Reset about how we can use the pandemic to kind of bring in these uh, world governments world government systems that they've been developing and talking about theoretically for a long time. Mm -hmm. And then once we kind of have that implemented, he came out with another book called the great narrative, because that's what everything has been talking about. You know, the, the whole emergent church movement, emerging church movement, whatever you want to call that had, they, they were all about narrative and story. Yeah. Because by narrative and story, you can persuade people. So, and it's interesting as a lawyer, there was a, a period of time where I used to go to trial presentation seminars, you know, how to be a better pre trial presenter. And we would talk about, you know, this software and this package and these graphics and everything. And I don't remember where it changed. It was over 20 years ago. It changed to, you have to hook the emotions of the jury. So everything became about narrative and hooking the emotions of the jury. And so then the emerging church came along with this sort of postmodern approach to Christianity, and they were talking about narrative also. Yeah. So now here comes along Klaus Schwab, and he says narrative. Well, this has, been, this has become a, I hate the word paradigm, but it is a paradigm in the way that our government operates now, particularly with the regime that's in charge. Everything becomes a narrative. So everybody that was involved or talked to or thought about anything that happened on January 6, 2021, it has become, uh, a, you know, a terrorist, essentially. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't know how else to describe it. In July of 2021, the FBI put out a tweet and said, we need to be looking for domestic terrorists. And in that tweet, they had a picture. And I, when I saw the tweet, I thought, I've seen those pictures before. So I did a Google image search mm -hmm. and found out that those pictures came from a homegrown extremist terrorist publication that the FBI and Department of Homeland Security put out in 2019 dealing with Islamic terrorism. And so it was pictures of guys like, at the airport or planes flying into, you know, look like they're going to fly into yeah. buildings and that type of thing. And now they're saying we have this domestic terrorism. So do you see the shift that they made? The narrative is that all you people who oppose the regime, you're just like Islamic terrorists. Yeah. Then in um, February, February 7th, the Department of Homeland Security 
put out a publication. Let me pull it. It was called the National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin. And it said, Summary of the Terrorism Threat to the United States. And so they talked about... What is it called? It was called the National Terrorism Advisory Advisory System Bulletin. It was a two-page thing. It was put out on February 7th, 2022. And it says this bulletin will expire on on June 7th, 2022. But this is... It's an advisory. Okay. Okay. Department of Homeland Security. And they talk about, you know... So they talk about, listen, we had this problem in the United States. It's this massive problem, the proliferation of false or misleading narratives which so discord or undermine public trust in U.S. government institutions. And so this is the narrative. Everybody who disagrees with this is involved in disinformation, and they're essentially terrorism. Yeah. And they said that there were there were a couple things that everybody needed to be on the lookout for. Now they they throw in the terrorism about against certain things, but then they say, well, where what we really have is this problem. We have this problem with uh, people that have a different opinion about how this Charlie Vector O One Niner yep. sickness illness thing that's been going around for a couple of years how it should be treated and dealt with and people who want to spread false narratives about the election, the 2020 election. And, and then they came out and so they said there's, there's three, uh, they followed that up with another publication. And in that publication, they said, we need to be on the lookout for three things. We need to be looking out for misinformation, we, and that's just like you you pass something along and you're not sure what it is. Right. Um, you know, you don't know whether it's true or not. So then we have to so then we come out with a disinformation. And disinformation is you know it's not true and you still pass it on. Yep. Then they have malinformation, which is you're you're a really bad person because you're really doing this on purpose to try to pull one over on people because what you're saying is so false and you know it and you're a really bad person for doing this. Mm. So then that leads to, and there's been a few things in between, but then yesterday uh, the Department of Homeland Security head Mayorkas goes to Congress. They're doing some, you know, they're having hearings and appropriation uh, hearings and he, he goes there and they, uh, they put up this uh, this thing about I forget what it's called uh, the disinformation government disinformation governance board that they have now set up by the Department of Homeland Security to tackle misinformation. Now they're directing it initially. They're saying, "Well, we're we're really concerned about this happening in minority communities." Now, why are they talking about minority communities? Because all the polling shows that the current regime's support in minority communities is collapsing at an an unheard of rate. Yeah, and we're coming up on the midterms, so they're gonna you're gonna see this push by our government to control information. So they they've set up this government 
disinformation disinformation governance board to tackle this. And this comes out of the Obama administration, and this lady named Nina Jankowitz uh, has been appointed as the head of the head this operation up. Let me put that article uh, up for you. That's yeah. her right there, right? Yeah, that's her. And so she's. Uh, I think she's. I think there's another picture down. If you scroll down through the Daily Mail article, you'll find a picture of her pregnant. She's very. She's very uh, prolific. Uh, she's she's really busy on Twitter. She oh, loves Twitter. Is, is this the gal that uh, Jen Psaki uh, in, interviewed on, or is is that a different gal? Oh no, that's someone else talking about. I'm ta I'm getting confused with your update. That was on gender. Remember you you touched on that. Oh, uh, when Jen when yeah. uh, Jen Psaki, who I've uh, nicknamed Corella von Pesuckerberger. Yeah. Because if you ever if you ever look at her. Put a picture of her and Mark Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, next to each other. Let me, and they let look me, like let me see twins. if I can find one while you're doing. It. Anyways, um, yeah, sorry, I I got those two confused. Um, but very easy to do because they're all on the same page. Yeah. with their narrative. So, Nina Jankowitz is a known as a Russian disinformation expert. Now, she is the one who came out last year when the hunter biden laptops that well, was wasn't last year it was in uh, 2020 during the election and said that the hunter biden laptop was a trump campaign product yeah now i'm just going to ask you who would who would if, if somebody's engaged in disinformation at that level you would expect the biden administration to point this person as the head of the Disinformation Governance Board. Yes. Yep. But she was also an imp on NPR last week, and she was decrying. I mean, she was very upset and passionate, just like Jim Psaki had been very passionate about the transgender people are under attack, and the children and the parents, and it's so awful. They're they're hurting these people, and they're they're so evil and mean. Well, she was on saying the same thing about trolls on Twitter. That's why Twitter has to put in all of these rules to shut down all of these people because they just attack women all the time. It's just a bunch of white guys that, that hate women and they're racist and they're sexist and they're misogynist. And so they need to be shut down. And so, look, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Elon Musk. Um, I mean, I think his cars look kind of cool, but <laughs> they're, they're way overpriced. Oh, yeah. You know, and I think the SpaceX rockets, I mean, that's that's pretty cool, too. I like that. What about Neuralink? Are you going to get a Neuralink? <laughs> I'm not going to get a Neuralink chip. You know, there, there was a video when they were having a dispute up in Canada of Christina Friedland, who is the uh, deputy prime minister and I think the chief financial person up in Canada. And Justin Trudeau, when they had the trucker protests and everything, truck, Justin Trudeau's there speaking, and she's behind him, fully masked, but it looks like she's either got oats in her mask that she's eating, <laughs> or she, or she's having, she's twitching like crazy. And I said, you know, so I posted on my Facebook page, isn't it awful when you're, when you're Neuralink chip, you know, you're in a press conference, and that's <laughs> when they decide to update the software in your Neuralink chip. Because she was like, she was like in a spastic, it, it looked like a seizure almost. That's funny, man. So, oh, yeah. um, 
So, but you know that, and up there in Canada, they're, they're big about the narrative thing too. They got to control all of this. They've got legislation out now. Ontario's got legislation out uh, to to put all these things in place. Yeah. So now here we are doing this, and Josh Hawley, uh, senator from Missouri, said this in a tweet yesterday. You can see this in the Daily Mail article. The Biden administration's new anti-speech czar is apparently no fan of the Elon Musk Twitter acquisition. <laughs> and this is who she's been put in. And so she, her tweet below says this, last week I told NPR, and I listened to the interview this morning because I'll probably play it in my update on Sunday. I shuddered to think about it. I shuddered to think about if free speech absolutists are, were taking over more platforms, what that would look like for the marginalized communities, which are already shouldering disproportionate amounts of this abuse mm, and so she move. she's got the narrative i'm one of these abused yeah, people exactly and here's the, here's the narrative but when she had to speak on a factual issue the hunter biden laptop she said that was made up by the trump campaign now listen there were hundreds of thousands of emails on that yeah. laptop yep. you don't you, you know i do a lot of work in in my lawyer days with gathering massive amounts of information and sifting through it. And, and with the advent of email, um, you know, in the mid nineties is when email started to become more popular that it's been an exponential increase in the amount of information that we've had to deal with yeah. over time. So to, to say that the Trump campaign made up, 130,000 emails that they found on this laptop. These were the ones that hadn't been deleted. Now, who knows what they're going to be able with computer forensics to pull off of there. Yeah, well, to say that, that, that the Trump campaign made all that up and all the headers and all this other stuff, who's, who's engaging in disinformation? Well, and also the Russian collusion, that whole thing too. Well, and she's a Russian disinformation yeah. specialist. She probably was running the ops. Yep for the Obama administration to try to put out this false narrative about Russian collusion. And that's never been proven. And it still predominates in the regime on the left. And so this is the, this is the world that we live in. I mean, it's like with the Ukraine Russia war, there's so much propaganda flying around. It's hard to under, hard to figure out who's, if anybody's telling the truth. Well, do you want you know, me to I know people are dying and I know buildings are being destroyed and cities are being destroyed. And I know one country has been invaded. Only one country has been invaded. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, th that's a fact. I don't, you know, and I know every time I say something that might be considered against Putin, I get these, Oh, he's on a mission from God. You just oh, don't yeah. understand. Sure. He is. Uh -huh. And I'm like, listen, you know, you, you believe whatever you want to believe. Yeah. And just understand that the best propagandists in the world have been the Russians. Oh, yeah. You for several generations. They you know, had a million people at the height of the Soviet Union. I'll be honest with you. That I, were have, employed. I have a... Now, as a graphic designer, I've always liked the style, okay, style of Russian propaganda. They, their color palette was always very limited. But they are... And the reason why I'm looking back here is because... I have a book somewhere on here, uh, somewhere in my books about, oh, here it is. 
these guys were two brothers and their sole purpose was Russian propaganda. And this whole book is chock full of Russian propaganda. The entire thing. They're the two brothers and they were artists. Mm -hmm. They're called the Stenberg brothers, super, super popular back in the early 1900s and stuff. But I just wanted to jump in there to solidify what you were saying. The Russians are top notch propagandists. And followed, I'd probably have to say in second place, the Germans and then the Cubans. But I think the Cubans got a lot of help from, right. um, you know, the Cubans were there too. And yep. um, they got a lot of help from the Russians. Anyways. So we have to factor all that in. And look, I'm not saying that everything that people are saying coming out of Ukraine is true either. That, right. That's the, yep. And it's hard to, hard, but, but understand that now our government is doing this. And so we have this disinformation thing. So the other thing that the uh, that happened yesterday was that the Department of Homeland Security put out this brochure uh, along with this. So you can go to C-SPAN. You can watch Mayorkas at, at the hearing. And understand, this Mayorkas guy, he's the guy in charge of the border. Yeah. Now, how, how good is that going? Yeah. How well is that going? Yep. Um, so they they put out this brochure yesterday or six page PDF thing that you can download called disinformation stops with you. I'm going to, I'm going to look that up while you talk. And it goes to, and it goes through, um, uh, you can get it at CISA.gov. I think cybersecurity and information infrastructure security agency. Right. And it, it talks about types of false info. What do you do? you know, recognize the risk, question the source. You need to be very careful before you share anything. I'm going to put it and, up. Tell me if this is the one, John, because I want to see if, is this it? Uh, that's yeah, that, that looks like part of it. Yep. That's okay. from the website. Okay. Yeah, there, there's a very slick PDF graphical thing that they have, you know, with, with, you know, like, um, uh, thumbs up and hearts, you know, okay. that you're very attracted to that. And, paper airplanes and, you know, uh, um, check marks, you know, you have to check things off. It, it's, it's very well done. Okay. But part of this is to, 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 to do, to do this thing with, um, to get you to question everything and not, and only believe the narrative that we give you. There's a very famous video during this whole, Chrysler with what I call Charlie Vector 019er of Jacinda Ardern. She is the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Uh, and I've played a clip. You can find the clip of her. It's kind of, it's, it's not the best quality, but she's saying, we will be your sole information, source of information for the pandemic and you don't believe anything else unless we tell you we will tell you the truth we will be your source of information for the huh. truth and it's like yeah. just like they've been and, before yeah and she's she's one of the graduates of this young global leader summit thing that's put on and school that's run by the world economic forum okay so understand hold on pause real quick because i want to interject there um i did a podcast by the time this goes up the Pete Garcia podcast I did with him just a couple of days ago, that should be up already. And we played a clip on there of Klaus Schwab, 
at the John F. Kennedy School of I don't School know, of Government at yes. Harvard University back in 2018. Did you see that one where he's admitting? Yeah, I've used that, it. Yeah. Okay, so he John's used used it. If you guys want to go back, check the Pete Garcia interview. Um, but Klaus Schwab admits um, penetrating all the cabinets, is, and I think he said in uh, Canada. And is it Canada, Canada up Canada, to half of them, right? Yeah, over half of the cabinet yes. ministers in Canada had been graduates. Uh, graduates of that. So if you if you want to read a little bit more about that, there was a very good article um, by uh, I can't remember the person's name off the top of my head. It was at the Mises Institute. No, it was at Rare Foundation, R A I R Foundation about the Global Leadership School. And it, it built off a German language article by a guy named Ernest Wolf, who had written about why, why was it that during this pandemic thing, all of the leaders of the world seemed to pivot and do the same thing in 190 countries around the world? Yeah. It was like they were reading from the same script. I'm going to put this up. Tell me if that's the one. Yeah, that's the article. Okay, I'll link to this article if anybody wants to go ahead and read the article. I'll go ahead and link to that. So yeah, excellent, um, and that has videos embedded within that. Okay, that, that article as well. Great, but that built on the article by Ernest Wolf in a German language publication. I can't remember what it what it was titled, but um, and I couldn't say it even if I remembered what it was because it was a German. But um, so this this whole thing that's going on is this narrative that they want to control. They, they want to control the narrative, the way you think. It's propaganda. Yeah. I mean, it's clearly propaganda. And they're very, very good at it because they've learned from the same people. So we always talk about, well, where did all these world leaders go? You know, we had people, Patrick Wood and others wrote about the Trilateral Commission. I think Patrick's book was... Uh, trilaterals over Washington and the Rockefeller Foundation and and the Council on Foreign Relations. Where, where did that go? It just like disappeared. Well, it became the World Economic Forum is what happened to it. Right. And so now they're, and they're everywhere. They're not hiding anything. I mean, I don't have time, as much time as I spend, I don't have time to watch all the videos and things that the World Economic Forum puts up, the publications they put out, now they have sort of offshoots. They have a thing called the World Government Summit, which just took place a month ago, uh, March 29th and 30th and 31st in Dubai and the United Arab Emirates. And Dubai seems to be a hub for a lot of this stuff uh, that's happening, the United Arab Emirates. So they have these big conferences there and everybody goes and speaks and they tell you what they're going to do. Uh, and part of this is to to control the narrative. It, it, so that it's gone beyond where they used to sort of meet in secret. It's all public. It's all out there on the internet, but it can be overwhelming to try to dig through it because there's just a massive amount of information and videos to review. So here's our government. Now we, we have this disinformation governance board and we're going to control disinformation. So Mayorkas is there talking about it, and Nina Jan Jankowitz is, you know, running this operation. I, and she's probably going to take off to have her baby, like Pete Buttigieg took off when, <laughs> when, when his fellow, his, his boy, his boyfriend, husband, they adopted twins or something. Yeah, they couldn't figure out who was doing the breastfeeding and all that other stuff. It's very, very complicated. <laughs> so 
Um, but she's having a baby in a couple weeks, it looks like, uh, from that tweet the other day. And she'll probably take off maternity leave. So it, it gives us a little breathing room. Yeah. Understand, weeks. they've been rolling this thing out systematically now for almost a year yeah. on how they're going to control disinformation. Do you want me to play the that clip from Obama? Yeah, and I was going to say, so what happened was a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, and then la a week ago, they rolled out Obama. Now listen, I don't think Joe Biden is running anything. I think we all know that. And, you know, my suspicion is, you know, there was that, that video clip where Obama was being interviewed by Stephen Colbert, and he was talking about the fact, well, you know, if I could, if I could just kind of like sit in my sweats in my family yeah. room, watching basketball and I could kind of run the country from there, run the country. And you know, I just kind of speak into an earpiece and have the guy doing things. I, I, I would do that. I could do that. What do they say? They say the quiet part out loud. I guess I, you know, so I don't know if he is, but you know, I'm not, uh, what's the old saying? I was born at night, but not last night. Well, but did you see? There's also a clip I saw it on Instagram. I don't know what function that um, Biden, Obama, they were all together. And um, Biden, yeah, that was about two weeks ago at the White House. They, that's when they brought Obama back. Yes, and he's like he looks so lost, and he has his hand. Biden has his hand on Obama, and just Obama is totally ignoring ignoring him, him. ignoring him. So. so Valerie Jarrett and all these people, and look, all the people that used to be in the Obama administration, they, they just rolled over to the, to the, uh, to the, well, I call it the Obiden administration, yeah, yep. the third Obama administration, yeah. you know, cause Jim Psaki, she was the spokesperson at the state department. Now she's at the white house yep. and she's moving on to a very MS high paying job yeah. at MSNBC yep. soon. But um, I, I just have to tell you, I watch her and I just, it's like, um, I don't know that she ever tells the truth. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm sorry. I hate to say that, but uh, it, it's, it's pretty brutal. I mean, we, as a lawyer, you're sort of trained that if somebody's not answering the question that they ask you, that's a pretty good indication, indication that they're lying. If, they're, if they don't answer the question. Now, so that sort of defines almost every politician. That's a bipartisan rule that you can apply to find out who's lying to. They're usually lying to you. They never answer the question. Like I saw an interview with Kevin McCarthy last night. Uh, I think I saw it on Tucker Carlson talking about, well, you said this about Trump, you know, back on January 6th. He goes, I didn't really. He totally yeah, lied. Yeah, they lied. Just they all lied. Totally lying. It was, yeah. it was, it was horrible. So they bring out Obama. So the first thing Obama does is the Atlantic, which I like the Atlantic. I read it. It's a left-leaning uh, publication. But they have thoughtful articles. You know, it's not, the editorial position is not what I would agree with. Yeah. But they put on a big conference at the University of Chicago. And here comes Obama. He's interviewed by Jeffrey Goldberg. Uh, and I think Jeffrey Goldberg had written an article about, you know, sort of like the wondrous works of Barack Obama or something like that. It was something along that lines. So he interviews him and Obama's there, you know, he's scratching his head and he's putting on this big act like, yeah, you know, 
boy, I just didn't understand this disinformation thing when I was president. I just, I, you know, we kind of got duped <laughs> by this. And, sure. and, and so he gives a speech, and then he does the interview. And then last week he goes to Stanford, and he gives a speech. And I think you have a little clip of that. Yeah, let me play it real quick. This is that almost all the big tech platforms now acknowledge some responsibility for content on their platforms, and they're investing in large teams of people to monitor it. Given the sheer volume of content, this strategy can feel like a game of whack-a-mole. Still, in talking to people at these companies, I believe they are sincere in trying to limit content that engages in hate speech, encourages violence, or poses a threat to public safety. They genuinely are concerned about it. They want to do something about it. But while content moderation can limit the distribution of clearly dangerous content, it doesn't go far enough. Users who want to spread disinformation have become experts at pushing right up to the line of what at least published company policies allow. And at those margins, social media platforms tend not to want to do anything. Not just because they don't want to be accused of censorship, because they still have a financial incentive to keep as many users engaged as possible. More importantly, these companies are still way too guarded about how exactly their standards operate, or how their engagement ranking systems influence what goes viral and what doesn't. Now, some companies have been taking the next step in managing toxic content, experimenting with new product designs that, you know, to use just one example, add friction to slow the spread of potentially harmful content. And that kind of innovation is a step in the right direction. It should be applauded. But I also think decisions like this shouldn't be left solely to private interests. These decisions affect all of us. And just like every other industry that has a big impact in our society, that means these big platforms need to be subject to some level of public oversight and regulation. So here comes Obama saying, yeah, you know, we got this content moderation thing and they're not going far enough. And we know like Jim Pisaki's been caught many times saying, you know, we, we talk to the tech platforms and we tell them things that need to be taken down and what's disinformation and everything. Listen, we have a thing called the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. And the First Amendment says Congress shall make no law regarding, you know, restricting free speech. Yeah. It's just, you can't do it. What they're doing, and so they say, but but free speech, you know, then they'll trot out Liz Warren, like she's the paragon of, of being truthful <laughs> on everything, Focahontas, as yeah. we love to call her. She comes trotting out and she says, well, you know, misinformation is not free speech. Disinformation is not free speech. Malinformation is not free speech. And can you see how we're caught up in this narrative? But the curveball that got thrown to them last week was Elon Musk was going to buy Twitter. So they, they control all the major platforms. Yeah.
know, a great interview out there with Joe Rogan, Tim Poole, uh, Jack Dorsey, who at the time was the CEO of Twitter, and then their lawyer, uh, I can't remember her name, um, she is the controlling content information. And they were talking about what you take down people who supposedly misgendered people and they have an art, they're having an argument with somebody about whether there's male and female or something else and something else. And she says, well, you know, that's because the people feel attacked and hurt. They get their feelings hurt. If people are saying that there's only male and female. And so Tim pool saying, well, and Joe Rogan say, well, you see, you are moderating the content by yeah. you're, you're making a judgment on the content and you're restricting speech. Yeah. And she goes, well, I, I don't see it that way. Do you have an example of what you're talking? Well, we just gave you an example of what yeah. we're talking about. And so you're in this constant loop with this, frankly, this lawyer who won't tell the truth. Right. Because she won't answer the question because it's painfully obvious what they're doing. Now we have this government brochure out. Disinformation stops with you. We have Barack Obama, who may be the functionally acting president of the United States. It's not Kamala Harris. You yeah. people in California... You know more about her than anybody, and she's she's. I mean, she got COVID now. Um, Everyone's gonna get it at some point. I hate to tell you that. Yeah, uh, and I'm, she's. I don't know alert. how many. I don't know if she's had one tweet so far for how grateful she is for the boosters that she got to protect yeah. her. Yeah. The the whole thing is just we're caught in this giant propaganda machine now. So. So what, this, what is this, so this all plays into Bible prophecy though because we this is what I talk about this sort of grid that I've that I've come up with I call it the ACLU uh, thing to to understand that how this Bible prophecy thing is going to work in the end times there's going to be a acceleration yes there's going to be C there's going to be convergence. And there's going to be the logistics of this. There's, there's, for example, when we talk about some of the wars of the end times, sometimes there's a tendency on the part of some of us in the Bible prophecy community, like, oh, you know, Ezekiel 38 is going to happen next week. Yeah, we well, sensationalize it, it. It talks about a great company and a mighty army, and it, you know, it's we don't have that set up yet. Now, there's some things that are changing though that like drones and asymmetrical warfare and that type of thing are changing the nature of warfare. We're seeing that all over the place. I mean, Ukraine's had done a halfway decent job of hanging in there against Russia, which has a pretty powerful military. Uh, and Russia's not done, I think, as well as they thought they were going to do because Ukraine's using some drones. They're probably getting them from us and that type of thing and some missiles and javelins and taking out a bunch of the Russian tanks. So, but that Ukraine's probably going to lose this war. I mean, that's, that's inevitable. I think the way it's going, but you know, it's you have this, so that's the logistics part. And then you have an understanding as we get closer to when these things are actually going to be fulfilled, we'll have a better idea to understand how they, how they will exit unfold. I, I just, okay. I, I wanted to jump in there because you're talking about disinformation and, uh, you know, there's talk about uh, Russia invading Moldova, right? 
Um, I read a, a couple articles of they think it's a possibility, which I find it funny that Newsweek just a couple days ago, and I'll just put the 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 headline up there. And again, this is on a mad delay, and I don't I don't understand why. But anyways, it says Russia promises they don't want to invade Moldova, you know, and uh, I, I find it humorous that as we're talking about disinformation, that. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they're not going to stop at Ukraine. Yeah, they didn't get it as fast as they wanted to. But what do you think the I think in your update, you did say that Russia will probably take the Ukraine. Didn't you say that? They'll take as much of the Ukraine as they want. Yeah. Um, but look, look what they this is the way they do war Russia. I mean, in, in 2000, well, in the late 1990s, they had a terrible problem with Islamic breakaway groups in Chechnya, in, in the Caucasus mountain region of southern Russia. And this is around the time that Vladimir Putin was coming into to power. So in about, and, and I, we, you may not be old enough to remember, but back in the 1990s, there was this horrible, terif- terrible terrorist attack, Islamic terrorist attack, on a school in Chechnya. And I think, I don't know, three, four, 500, including young kids were held and then killed. And it was, it was horrific. And so Putin said, we got to deal with this. So they went in and they just absolutely obliterated the city of Grozny, which was the capital of the Chechen region. And they, they destroyed like 98% of the buildings. Yeah. It, it, whatever you see the pictures of Mariupol and some of the cities in eastern Ukraine that Russia has gone in and they've just bombed these apartment buildings, they just, they flatten the place. Well, the interesting thing is the head of the rebels eventually got on the side of, sort of recanted and got on the side of Putin to help Putin out. And then he, he died. And a few years later, his son became the dictator of that region. Right. And so now Grozny has been rebuilt as a fairly modern dynamic city. And somebody made a lot of money rebuilding Grozny. And this is where you get Russian oligarchs. Now I get, I get, I will get a lot of hate mail about this. Now fast forward to the Syrian civil war in 2015, it's not going that well for Syria. So Assad brings Russia in to help. And Russia thinks, well, this is a way for us to expand our influence in the Middle East. And Syria happens to have ports and warm water on the Mediterranean, Latakia. And so we're going we're gonna to put a port there and we'll help out Assad. But what happened after that was the cities of like Aleppo, the Sunni areas of Aleppo, Damascus, and other places in Syria were just absolutely (coughs) obliterated. So last year there were a number of articles where they were sort of evaluating, well, how how did the Russia do when they went into Syria? And the, the discussion was, well, they didn't, it's going to cost billions to rebuild Syria. Yeah. 
but where's the money going to come from? And we're sort of in a world financial crisis and there's no money there. Now you fast forward a couple more years to Russia invading Ukraine. Now, Russia had taken over parts of Ukraine, the Crimean Peninsula, claim, well, there are ethnic-speaking Russians there that want us, mm -hmm. so we're going to go take that. There's a separatist region in Moldova that you just mentioned that would be in western, or along the western border of Ukraine that uh, we want, uh, that you know, they may want our help. And then I'm also thinking, and this is kind of way out there, I think, yeah. that most people don't think about, but what, what nation in the Middle East has a tremendous number of Russian immigrants? I have no idea. Israel. Okay. They have about a million and a half Russian immigrants, Russian-speaking immigrants in Israel from the collapse of the Soviet Union. So are it's these, Putin going to say, well, Jewish? I'm going to go help my, I'm going to help my ethnic brothers and sisters in, in Israel at some point. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there but as are a they, possibility. Are they Russian Jews that came in the there? Russian Jews. Russian yeah, they Jews. Speak okay. Russian, okay. Particularly in the north of Russia, by the, or the north of Israel. Okay. Uh, for example, uh, the farther north, northernmost city in Israel is uh, a city called Naharia. Mm -hmm. uh, it's right up on the Lebanon border. And I've been there, and I, I remember I went into the a gas station to get gas, and the guy had on one of those big Russian hats speaking Hebrew to me in, in a Russian accent. It was kind of one of those, I wish I'd had, I'd had my... Recorded it? <laughs> Right. I wish I had recorded it. It was kind of, then he started speaking English with a Russian accent. So, so he talked to you like this. Hello. Yeah, it was, it was exactly you pump gas, come yeah. back, come, pay credit card, back. you know, great American. Good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, and I don't know if that'll happen, but now we go forward to, so he's, you know, they're now focused on Donbass and Lutonsk regions and Eastern Ukraine. And that's where the Russian ethnics are, but there's also in the, would be eastern Moldova. There's a narrow strip of ethnic Russian uh, speaking uh, people there. Yeah. That, that that's why they're talking about maybe going into Moldova. But the other thing too, as you understand, is so they they got Crimea, but they had a problem with Crimea because Crimea is historically a dry area. Mm -hmm. You living in Southern California will understand historically dry areas. So they need to bring water in from someplace else, but they took over the Crimean Peninsula, but they didn't take over the reservoir that fed the water to Crimea. So over the last few years, I think Russia took that over in 2014, Ukraine said, well, you know, we're, we're kind of cutting off the water. And yeah. so there's been a, a drought issue in Crimea that has made uh, Vladimir Putin very upset. Mm. And so this is this is part. And so now they've taken over, I believe they've taken over the area where this reservoir and dam and everything is. Okay. And also know that eastern Ukraine has some of the richest soil on the yeah. planet. And I think I'll talk about this Sunday in my update. Okay. Uh, the Atlantic Council, which is one of these globalist things, we're probably going very far afield from where we thought we it's were okay. going to go. It's okay. But but the Atlantic Council had an article a number of years ago, probably about 2014, which said Ukraine could feed the world. I mean, they have incredibly rich and thick layers of topsoil there. Yeah. Um, and so now this is, and so now they're not going to plant this year, it doesn't look like.
Uh, it's one of the bread baskets of the world. Probably How much the do fifth... they supply? How much do, what percentage? Well, between, they... between Russia and Ukraine, they supply about 60% of the world's wheat. The world's wheat, 60%? I believe that's correct. Wow. And layer on top of that, I mean, we were in, went out west, drove out west last year to uh, areas, big producing areas like mm -hmm. Kansas, you know, eastern Colorado, uh, Wyoming, South Dakota, and e western Kansas looked bad. Yeah. Eastern Colorado was a disaster in terms of drought and that type of thing, and that drought is going to increase this year. Okay. And I also understand that a large chunk of the United States wheat crop comes from Texas winter wheat, and that crop, so don't quote me on this, this um, read a lot, so the statistic that sticks in my head is that the Texas wheat crop was about 7% of normal this wow. year, over this past winter. Wow, that is crazy. So, so for so, but, but understand, uh, let me just say this yeah, too. Go, no, go ahead. In the east, in the Middle East, uh, Russia and Ukraine supply above 60% of the wheat, 60% to 85% of the wheat needed by those countries in the Middle East, like Jordan, right. Syria, uh, that type of thing. In 2010, Ukraine and Russia had a drought, mm. which lowered the wheat production. So in the spring, when everything kind of hit in the spring of 2011, they had food riots and protests in a thing that we now know as the Arab Spring. Yep. And it was all connected. And part of that, too, there was also historically severe drought for several years in northwestern Syria. Mm -hmm. it, may have, it may have been natural but understand that turkey controls all the water Ooh, yeah. of the euphrates and tigris rivers that go down through those areas to the to the point that in southern iraq in the delta area you know there, there's a whole many generations of farmers there that have made their living and existence in that delta now that because of turkey's control of the water these people, there's, they're, the delta's drying up. Yeah. So this, so, so you you layer again. This would be sort of the convergence part of my grid work. You have all of this unrest. You have wars. You have rumors of wars, but then you have this massive water problem that's all over the Middle East. Yeah. And drought in the United States and our breadbasket and drought in the Central Valley of California, and Ooh, drought, bad. and you know, and I saw pictures of, I mean, there were stories all over the press this morning about restrictions, rationing, yeah. yep. and that type of thing coming to California. And you're gonna have brownouts because the Lake Powell, which yep. I think their Powell, uh, Glen Canyon Dam, Lake Powell, that goes to Arizona, and then Hoover Dam, and. Lake, uh, Lake Mead is a lot of the power source for Vegas and Southern California, I believe. And their Lake Mead is now at a historically low level. Yeah. It's never, it's not been that low since it was filled up. So this is, again, this is this convergence thing, you know, and then you add onto that supply chains and 
all these other disruptions that are taking place. Yeah, you had um, we had a good. Uh, let me see. I think it's visual number two. Uh, you had this up on your prophecy update. This is from uh, Mar Maritime Marine Traffic. Marine Traffic. Marine Traffic. Marine Traffic yeah, you um, can go look at it, and you can in the upper left hand corner you can select the type of ship. So I just set it up to have uh, cargo ships and, and tankers. tankers. Yeah. So the red are the tankers, the green are the cargo ships, and if you guys look on the right hand side where china shanghai is it's just so um constipated it's so backed up yeah i i just put together a video on that today and and was doing some research so this is stuff from the last couple of weeks that about 25 percent of the containers that are used in shipping in the world are jammed up in the chinese china region right now because yeah. they're locking down all the cities because of there's zero the Charlie Vector one niner yeah. outbreaks. Yeah, it's the and zero. so nothing's moving. So when you look at that chart, you'll sometimes it looks like a little ship shape, but sometimes it's just a circle. The circle ones are the ones that are just sitting there. Yeah, they're parked. And you can click on the circle and you can find out, you know, the the country that flag gives the flag for the ship, yep. where it's registered, the size of the ship, where it's going, its destination, and you can do that for like almost all the tankers and container ships in the world. Yeah. But they're jammed up in China right now. There's thousands of them sitting there. And how long they've, they've been there for what? Two, three weeks, huh? I probably, yeah, probably approaching a month. And you remember it was just a few months ago, they were talking about, there were so many ships outside the port of Los Angeles and uh, Long Beach, which yeah. is I think our major port next to, well, New Orleans handled handle stuff from the Midwest, but you know, that's a major port. The ships didn't even, they couldn't even anchor. There weren't even places left for them to anchor. anchor. Yeah. But if you, if you go now, they're, they're going to tell there's hardly you, any ships there. Yeah. And they're going to say, Hey, look, we're all caught up. That's a bunch of bunk. Don't believe it at all. You layer on top of that too, that the trucking, uh, trucking stocks have collapsed. Shipping rates for trucking has collapsed because there's just a jam up in the system there yep. and they don't have enough truck drivers. Yeah. And look, um, I live in, in the SoCal area. We've driven by Long Beach and San Pedro ports. And even mm -hmm. though there's the, the ships are, they say they're, they're getting caught up. If you drive down, there's two bridges. There's a brand new mm -hmm. one right next to Long Beach. And then you have the, the Vincent Thomas Bridge. As you're driving through those, the container ships, um, the containers, I'm sorry, are stacked almost seven stories high. There's mm -hmm. one on top of the other. And they're, they're, all the way backed up to the highway as far as the eye could see on both sides. And so the fact of the matter is that's been like that for the past year and a half, and it's just getting taller and taller. So the fact that they say, oh, we're all caught up, they're not, trust me. There's no then way. Then they got to get those those containers on trucks. Yep, yeah. and, and on trains. Right. Or trains, yep. and the trains have some issues now too yep. with, those. Yeah. I mean, it's it's... They can't. They can't do like Union Pacific was cutting off fertilizer shipments. Yes, yeah, now, there's, they were. there's a reason for it's kind of a complicated uh, issue because they they needed to get their own cars back into the system. Has to there's like a flow to the system. Yeah. it's sort of like uh, you know you pour sugar into a funnel. Um, it, it's the same kind of study that you would do to find out why. You have to come. There's nothing happening on the freeway, and you come to a dead stop, mm -hmm. <laughs> which happens a lot here in Southern California. Let me right. Tell you. I, I actually I went 
one of my friends in high school, she became the head of physics departments at a couple major universities in the Midwest. And she went to MIT. I mean, she was just absolutely brilliant. And part of her field of study was granular flow of materials, material mm. flow, like grain and that type of thing. Right. But it also applies to traffic. It's the same principle. Sure. And so it's a miracle that this system works. I mean, back in 2018, I ordered a, a MacBook Pro. And it was in, it, I got a thing, it's in Shanghai, China. And 30 hours later, it was at my front door. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. And, but now that's not working. Yeah. And so I had a friend from a Home Depot in the east part of the United States said, I mean, we're running out of nuts and bolts and like our building materials thing. It's because nothing's coming in and it's just. So let me ask you every, a question. Everything's jammed up. And so it's just, so again, this is this convergence thing that we, that I talk about. It's just, there's too many things going on at one time. So we've, we've gone from disinformation. We get, a, I mean, we rabbit trail and that's totally fine. I'm sure people are smart enough to follow us on everything, but where, where does this, where's this leading? I mean, is, are people going to wake up and go, okay, uh, we need to start manufacturing things here in the state side, or we need to start diversifying where we get everything from. We can't get it just from, is this purposeful? Everything that's happening now, again, I, I have my thoughts. I want to hear you first. Well, say. yeah, I, I think part of it's on purpose. Uh, part of it was done at just because of simple greed that it was cheaper to buy materials and, and products that were made in China. Did this get um, out of hand? Did they think it was going to get out of hand like this? Do I don't. I think they thought they could control. Ah, uh, yeah. But obviously they couldn't. Yeah, because a lot of things happen to just jam up the system so how far so, is this going to go is my question like how much is well, this going to so unravel look we we talk in bible prophecy we talk about things like a world government yes we talk about a world leader and you know one of the characteristics of the world leader because i want to go back to the disinformation sure. thing, no absolutely is that this person will be a massive liar yeah i mean daniel describes him as uh you know, Mr. Big Mouth, yeah. I guess is the best way. And and he'll just say anything. And now we live in a place where everybody's conditioned to believe it. But but now we're divided. We're fighting about everything. Yeah. But that that's because but there will be opposition to whoever this antichrist person is. Yep. And and to be honest with you, there are people on I would say the right side of things and the left side of things that don't have our best interests at heart. 100% agree. I agree. And and so I don't think of the 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 scale of politics from left to right as linear. I think of as a circle. <laughs> An extreme left and extreme right kind of overlap right. in the circle. Yeah. And that so it's it's hard so it may be sort of a combination of the two things that's going to be where this is going to come from kind of like the mastercard it, logo yeah yeah so you know the and so this this thing is just very complex right now and we're, we're trying to feel our way so we have big elections coming up in the united states in six months roughly six months yeah i listen with the way this disinformation thing is going and and the curveball that elon musk you know a, a Buying Twitter, a radical transhumanist, yeah, uh, who has his own issues, has come in, and and so 
well, I'm not a fan of his. I've sort of, it's been sort of delicious in a way to watch the meltdown <laughs> on the left in the United States where everybody's got their, you know, what's the saying that your pastor says every night, their knickers in a knot and their, their panties in a bunch. <laughs> and, um, it's, it, it, so this, this is the world that we should expect. So, you know, we always talk about when are we going, going back to normal? Never. Not going back to normal. Yeah, never. It's never, and I don't know anybody that, that even the most positive person in the world that says we're going back to anything normal yeah. like it was. Yeah. You know, each, like in 2020, I sort of jokingly said, uh, early 2021, I did one of my first updates that I did. I think I was out the first two weeks because I actually had the Rona thing. But, uh, and I didn't have much of a voice, but I said, you know, it's, it was the first or second one. I said, well, you know, 2021 in review. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I remember <laughs> or, I know, saw that then, one. Yeah. I think I said, when, when, how far into 2021 are we going to get before we're saying, Hey, it would be great to have uh, when, when can we get back to the good old days of 2020? Yeah. And it was like, we were three weeks into the year and it was like, yeah, we're ready to go back to the good old days of 2020, which yeah. weren't that great for no. most people. Especially the large So, ones. so all this things happen. So this disinformation thing, you, you understand Pisaki says it now Obama's come out and said that they're trying to control the narrative and they're, they're essentially, they're threatening the tech companies that you need to control the flow of information. Yeah. And the government is not allowed to outsource controlling speech. They're not supposed to be in that business at all in the United States. So when we're coming up on this election, the midterms, which should be a debacle for the party in charge. Yeah. It should be a epic historic changeover. I'm not so sh I, I'm just wondering what they're going to do to change the elections. Are they going to say you can only vote if you've received all yeah. of the state approved treatments yep. for this Charlie Vector 019 er And that's not constitutional either. I but they're going to, they're doing it. That's the thing. Yeah. And so it, it's a big fight. And, you know, and I think the party that opposes them is, is gearing up at least a large part of that is gearing up for the fight. But I'm just saying is this is not, this is not going to be anywhere near a normal year because now you layer on top of it, what I can only describe as food shortages all over the world. Now, whether that affects us as much here in the United States, I, I don't know. I'm yeah. not, I'm really not a prophet. Yeah. I talk about prophecy, but I'm not a prophet. Yeah. And we are in such a, a strange time. And then, you know, Russia's out there saying, Hey, listen, you guys, if you're going to interfere with us in Ukraine, nuclear war. Yeah, true. What's the missile called that, that you, you talked about in your update? I'm going to try well, to pull it, up a picture. It's, it's actually called the Satan missile. What an apropos name. Let me type yeah. let me see if I can find well, and, out. And you had mentioned too, there was this the Poseidon, Poseidon torpedo. It's a right, torpedo. Which is a nuclear, nuclear powered torpedo that can fly, you know, go around the world for a long time. Yep. and hit whatever they want. You know, so there's, there's this theory that the Canary Island shelf 
um, which is west of Europe out in the Atlantic. If an earthquake happens there or a nuclear missile hits it, that shelf collapses and it sends a massive tidal wave across the Atlantic and destroys much of the East Coast of the United States, which is where a lot of our population lives. Yeah, I love as I'm checking as I'm checking right now just to get a picture, okay, of the Satan missile. It is hilarious to see how much they they were trying to make it disinformation that it was false that there's such a missile called the Satan missile, right? Um, it's it, it's true. I mean, it's here. I'm, I'm I gonna, played a clip of yeah, it Sunday. Yeah, you did, of the, and I'm gonna test. I'm gonna go ahead right here. It says Russia has test test launched. Here, let me pull it up. Um, let me close this advertisement right here. This is on the Washington Post. This was April 20th of 2022. Let me go ahead and put that up. Uh, right there, Russia's Satan 2 missile changes little for U.S. scholars, say. And then the article talks about it and stuff. But Right. It, right. And then they say, well, yeah, we're, we're aware of this. But listen, Russia has a much different first strike policy yeah. than the United States does. If they, if they, we have to have like, at least our nuclear response policy is we have to have confirmation of launch and, and targeting towards the United States. Yeah. Russia is, if they perceive the threat, they're launching. Yeah. There's no, yeah, there's no confirmation. And, and they're, look, they're more powerful than we are on a nuclear nuclear capability basis well tell us real quick because i do remember you did uh, a good handful of uh we didn't plan that by the way but it was pretty pretty cool very well coordinated the scratch of the head and it was like synchronized <laughs> and everything but anyways i uh, used to talk a good amount about um uh obama and them taking down uh the nuclear arsenal and how during his administration that was one of his big things and uh it was something... Well, yeah, and then we had a former Secretary of State who started a foundation with her former president husband yep. and made arrangements to sell a large chunk of uranium to Russia. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I've said this before. Um, somebody related a story to me once of a discussion in D.C. Now, look, this could be an urban legend, okay? Mm. But I only believe it because this one seems to fit. Was that uh, there was a U.S. official and a Russian official talking, and the U.S. official goes, "You know, we really don't." This Obama guy kind of came out of nowhere, and the Russian guy says, "Oh, really? We've been following him since he was in college." Now, listen, I I would just challenge anyone to go back on a geopolitical scale on the major things in geopolitics, like Syria and things that happened there. Yeah. Tell me one thing that Obama did geopolitically that ultimately did not benefit Russia. Oh, yeah. Wasn't there, um, let me let me go back to both of us side by side, but. Now I sound like a conspiracy theorist. No, because I do remember uh, vaguely, and if I can pull that clip up, I'll put it up, not right now, but in the post edit. Um. During the re-election period between his first and second term, uh, wasn't it was it a meeting with Medvedev at the time, or was it Putin where he kind of leaned over on Medvedev. a hot mic? It was Medvedev, Medvedev. right? It was on a hot mic. A hot mic, yeah. And he said, "Just wait till I get reelected." Something along yeah, those I'm, lines. I have some restrictions on me, but I, you know, I, I'll have more freedom when after my 
election because then I can't stand for re-election. There you go. So if so I, I can more find that, packed. yeah, let me see if I can, and, and I'm making myself a note, but. So that would have been back about 2011 or 2012. Yeah. At the, around the midpoint of his administration. So, um, and so, and so now we have this, um, so thing, and so now we have this Syria thing and now, you know, Russia's been involved there and they've, they've given Israel a lot of leeway on attacking Iranian targets. Mm -hmm. But every time Israel does something against them at the UN, they don't vote in favor of Russia or they vote against them. Russia comes out and says, well, you know, we don't really think you're entitled to the Golan Heights. <laughs> And, you know, you guys, you, you've been doing too much stuff. Uh, we're, you're going to have to stop making all these attacks on Syrian soil. It's <clears throat> one of these times you're going to get our guys. Uh, but now, you know, Russia is pretty preoccupied with Ukraine. I don't think Russia has the greatest capability to, to fight a two-front war. I don't think the United States can fight a two-front yeah. war. Right. So Iran is kind of upping the ante in Syria and in Iran, and that puts pressure on Israel. And all this plays into Bible prophecy, because the one thing we know, we can argue whether Russia is part of this invasion or not. Okay, there's, you, you can make the case that it is, and you can also say, no, 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 it's really more Turkey and Central Asia. Are we talking about Gog Magog? Gog Magog, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think they are, but I don't think this is it. Um, but yeah, yeah but, I know there are those it, that think, yeah. But but understand too that Russia. There was there's a very good guy. I recommend that you look up his videos. He's, I think he has a video blog. A Peter Zahn, Z E Z E I H A N, and he was talking about the fact that, listen, Russia had to do this now because the demographics, Russian demographics are collapsing. Their their country is collapsing. And for years, foreign policy and foreign affairs have been writing about the fact that Russia has an Islamic problem. Yeah. And that the estimates I saw most recently was that 40% of the Russian armed forces are Islamic, Muslim. That's a lie. And the big, in uh, Mariupol, the militia that was brought in was the militia that was brought in, the Islamic militia that was brought in from Chechnya. Mm -hmm. You know, where the guys that were so brutal yeah. that that uh, um, what did the, what do they call it when somebody uh, changes sides? Oh, traitor! Um, <laughs> they, um, I want to say <laughs> asylum or oh. anyway, they they um, they they changed their allegiance yeah. over to Russia because it benefited them sure. and everybody made a ton of money. Go look at, go look at modern Grozny city skyline today and understand people built that and people that build a lot of buildings like a former president of the United States, they make, they can make a lot of money. Oh, sure. Sure. And you get the right funding and that's how you end up with, you know, these billionaire oligarchs and they have a number of them in Russia. Mm-hmm. And it, some of that came because of the rebuilding of Grozny. And I think there was the belief they were going to go down to Syria and rebuild Syria, but that hasn't happened yet. And so what they did in Syria, though, if I can tie this in together, too. I know I'm kind of running all over it's the all place. But, okay. but in Syria, they, the cities were bombed to the point where people could not live there. So what did they do? 
they immigrated to Europe. And that, that immigration, you know, that was a million and a half to two million people over a couple year period went from the Middle East to Europe. And what it's changed the face of Europe. It's, it's, it's a huge demographic issue because <clears throat> Western Europe and all Western countries, they're, they're not producing enough babies. Yeah, you covered that in your update as well, a little bit. Yeah, and then you also layer on top of that. So Peter Zahn says, listen, Russia had to go in to Ukraine now because of the demographics. And I've thought for a long time too, if it is Russia that's coming into the Middle East and this Gog Magog thing, what, what, would, what would Russia, if Russia has a problem with Muslims in Russia and in its former Soviet Union republics, what one thing could they do to sort of get the Muslims on their side and leave them alone for a while? Could an invasion of Israel to take out Israel be part of that? Well, I think they, I think if, um, I think they both would have maybe different reasons why to go do it. But if there's one, un, one thing that unifies them both together, right. yeah, is that for sure. But the Muslims say, yeah, Russia, thanks for helping us out on that, getting rid of that Israel problem. And then understand, I think I quoted this from the Tehran Times a week ago, the, the demographics in, in, Iran, in Iran right now are historically worse yeah. than any country in human history. And that comes from the Tehran Times yeah. and from the Iranian government talking about their own country. So you can't say that it's anybody's propaganda. It's their own words. Sure. So then that sort of says, well, maybe they think they don't have, they have a narrow window when they're going to have to do these things. Yeah. And now we have violence erupting across Israel and the Middle East. It appears Hamas is involved. Um, when you just, you did talk about, yeah. you covered on your update as well, um, that Iran just had one of their, uh, what is it called? Where they, they show all of their weaponry or their soldiers or their military, their marches. Um, and yeah. they, who was the guy, the Iranian guy that said that those involved in the death of Soleimani, they have a list of people. About 127 people. Yeah, they're going to pay for it. And you were mentioning how some of, like Mike Pompeo, Trump, whenever they go anywhere, now they have to have... Uh, secret service. Secret service with them. And so... Well, that, actually, there was a very good exchange between, I think it was Ted Cruz and Anthony Blinken in Congress just the other day. And he said, so Blinken... You, you want to make this deal with Iran. You want to give them $100 billion. What, have you brought up the fact that they've got this list of our former Secretary of State they want to assassinate? Yeah. Did, you even, did you bring it up? And what did Blinken do? He didn't answer the question, so you knew he was lying. lying of course. And they haven't brought it up. So, of course. So this is uh, and they also, yeah, this they, is a big deal. They also want to take the uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard off the terror list. Am I am I right? Yeah, they'll say, well, you know, we got enough people that are already on the terror list in Iran. Well, so then leave these guys on. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's sort of like. Can you do um, me a favor? Because I always. I use the word moron a lot, and I remember a while back, you once or twice in, in a couple of your updates, where is it that the translation in Scripture is the yeah, word moron, I, right? 
Well, it's sort of a, I don't know if it's the best translation. It's one that I've used just because I think it fits. Yes. Uh, the, the word, the, the word that, the Greek word that became our word moron is used in first Corinthians chapter one. Okay. And essentially it says, you know, God confounds Conf okay. the wise, the, 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 uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And, and so I once heard a commentator say, and I can't remember who it was, so I won't, I won't identify him because yeah. then he'll get in trouble for having said that. <laughs> but it said essentially God morons the world. Yeah. And I think that I think that's appropriate. I, sure. I, like I said, I don't know if it's the most accurate translation, but it's certainly the the effect of what that passage is talking about in First Corinthians. I'm pretty sure it's First Corinthians chapter one. Yeah, that's never left my mind. I'm always thinking of that because as we're seeing all these politicians from top to bottom, left to right, I mean, all over, the things that that they're doing. Uh, so, for example, uh, something else here in California. Usually, there's a tax hike for gas that starts July 1st, it goes through the summer. Um, there was talk about that Newsom was gonna pause that, right? Because of the crazy increase in prices. So average gallon uh, out here in SoCal, we're paying the cheapest is 529 per gallon right now. But because- I got it for 331 the other day. Well, but... consider yourself very fortunate. Thanks for rubbing that in. It's also it's 20. Okay. It was also at 30 degrees here this morning too, though. So it was <laughs> um, a trade-off. I don't know. You guys have a whole lot of water. You know, I'm, I'm sure, uh, I don't know yeah. how we're going to get out of that. But anyway, I'll so. Tell them the, I'll tell them the statistic I told you before we started talking that uh, we have not had five consecutive drive days in Ohio for over three years. Yeah, we're the flip side. We have not yeah. had five consecutive days of rain. Maybe, I don't think we've even had three. I'm not kidding you. We haven't had three. But this tax, so because they they shuffled their feet, because they took forever, on purpose, I think, this 56.2 cent tax is going to go into effect um, as of July 1st on top of what we're paying right now. So we're going to be paying 590 for gas in the summer. And if it goes up, we're looking at probably seven or eight bucks a gallon. But these guys are complete morons. And that's where every time I think about that is they're, they've lost, they have lost their, their ability to reason and to right. use common sense. Well, that's Romans. That's Romans yes. one. God gives them over to a reprobate mind, mm. which means they don't have the ability to reason. So if we come full circle again, and we're talking about disinformation, because I know there's just went all over the place. Yeah, oh. this is like this is if you if you're ADD <laughs> and love Bible prophecy, this is like the greatest time to be alive. Oh yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. I mean, because you could you could bounce. I mean, like I when I when we first started talking, you know, we were I, I had I had over two hundred tabs open on my browsers. I think my computer would crash if I did that. Look, I only have <laughs> one, two, three. And my CPU usage, because I, I, you know, I clock it here, it's at 40%. And that's why uh, I feel bad because John, John's being patient with me, but it, but it, it, it feels like, you know, it's doing that and freezing up. But anyways, um, where does that leave us? Okay. So Elon Musk buys Twitter. Obama goes on. Well, he hasn't, he hasn't bought it's, Twitter. It's yet. not official, official. Well, they, you know, there's, there's going to be a close, I mean, now, now comes the great part. You get the lawyers involved okay. to make sure the deal's all 
tied up nice and neat. So how long can that take? Because you, you dealt with I could, stuff like this. Six, seven. It, it, it could take until after the midterm elections. Wow, really? That long until there's yeah. a, until here? You got to get, the, get a bunch of lawyers billing by the hour. It's not going to happen overnight. Wow, that is just crazy. I mean, that is not chump change. $44 billion. You know? Well, there's some talk, you know, some people are suggesting that what he should do is withdraw his bid. If, if you notice, in the last couple of days, there's been this, all these people that are conservatives are like, hey, I'm back on. Yeah. And people have been there for a while. They've been losing followers and stuff. They're like, I'm, I've gotten tens of thousands of new followers over the past day or so. And, and you're wondering, like, well, Musk, and everybody says, oh, well, look at what Elon Musk, he doesn't run anything there. Yeah. So they're doing it, and I don't know if they're doing it because they're trying to protect against Elon saying, you guys, you're, you're worse. I'm withdrawing the offer. I'm out of here. And then their stock price collapses Yeah. because they've driven, the conser they've driven a lot of their value off the platform. Yeah. And then Elon comes back in and buys it at 25% below what he's already offered. That's a possibility that could happen. Got it. So I don't think this thing closes in six months. Wow, that's just crazy. It's it amazes me though, what what a storm it's created. Just the fact that you know the sale of Twitter to Elon Musk. It, it's it's insane how much, uh, you know these these Karens <laughs> come out, and uh, yeah, it's it's been. I mean, you know, just you can find the montages of people having meltdowns yeah, on yeah. MSNBC and CNN and that type of thing. And then the gal who's going to run the disinformation like, governance board yep. is having a meltdown about it, too. Well, she's not unbiased in this whole thing. She was just, like I said, she was on NPR last week talking about how horrible it was to be a woman on Twitter. Okay, so, she's, so here's a question, I'm, and I'm not going to hold your feet to the fire, okay? So, folks, do me a favor. Don't email him. Don't email me if <laughs> what we're going to talk about doesn't pan out because we're not profits, okay? We're not trying to be profits. These are just guesses. And so I'm going to kind of put you on the hot seat. What do you see happening um, come November, do you foresee them? Because, you know, uh, Ouchie Fauci uh, has said, well, talks of uh, another lockdown are not off the table in the fall. And so if they see a slaughter coming when it, when it comes to uh, a red wave, you know, for Congress and other positions, what do you see happening? Again, folks, don't write us, because I'll be honest with you, if you... <coughs> If you write me so, stuff like that, I'll delete it. I'm not even going to bother but, reading. Yeah, so here, here's one speculation that I would have is that as we approach the election, it, it, it's, it's clear right now that the, the change would be historic in the changeover in Congress. Yeah. Uh, it, unless, you know, a bunch of Republicans decide to do the, the, the surrender thing that they seem to do so well. Rhinos. But you have two factors going on. So it, they would have to change, get people out of the system. Yeah. So one way to get them out of the system is said, well, if you're not fully up to date on your treatment for this Charlie sure. Vector thing, you can't vote. And everybody would say, well, that's unconstitutional. They can't do that. Listen, they're not supposed to be controlling speech, okay? And they're outsourcing that by threatening the tech companies. This whole thing is to set up to control the tech companies. You also need to know, 
sidebar here. Europe just put in place the other day at the EU level the Digital Service Act and a related act, Digital Services Management Act, which is controlling what the tech companies do and requiring them to respond to government orders to take down information. So what the tech companies will do is they will do the um, least restrictive thing. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm you're, listening. You're, your video, okay. No, I'm watching you. You're... I didn't know if I'd put you to sleep finally nope. or not. No, no, no. I'm listening. Everybody, so, all eyes are on you right they, now. So whatever is the most restrictive thing will control what the U.S. tech companies do. And so we haven't enacted any of this stuff, but we didn't need to enact it. The tech companies want to go along with the big world government plan. So they'll just let the Europeans do it. And then the tech companies will say it's too complicated to carve out what we'll do in the United States. We'll just go along with the European rules. And this is something I've talked about for years as Europe has put in hate speech yeah. laws and restrictions and that type of thing, particularly in the tech company penalty for not complying is six to 7% of their worldwide revenue. Wow. So does this, uh, before you keep going, I remember you also talked a lot about, I read a lot about, and there was a big pushback when Obama handed over the internet. One of the things he did before well, that, leaving that's office. part of this too. Yeah. That, that plays. That I mean, people forget about that. You know, we had yeah. full control of it. And then one of the things he did right before leaving was, Hey, guess what? I'm just going to hand it off. See ya. You know, you know, and, and, and here we are now, Delera, the other thing to keep in mind too, and now this will be, uh, somebody sees us on Twitter, they'll say, oh, it's just a conspiracy theory. Uh, this, if Title 42 restrictions yeah. on people coming into the United States at the borders goes away, you know, they're, they're talking instead of, a couple hundred thousand in a month. That's two and a half million in a year. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, look, we're going to get, you know, 600,000, three times that in a month. That's just, that's incredible. So this refugee thing is just disrupting the world. So we, yeah. we saw what happened with Europe back in 2015, 2016. Understand, and that was a Syria. That was a, a country of 21 million people. It's now a country of 10 million people. Wow. A lot of people have left. They're in Jordan and Lebanon and Turkey. But then you had a couple million or so go towards Europe. Understand that in two months, the Ukrainian refugee problem far exceeds what it took a decade to do in Syria. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is incredible. I mean, you're talking probably 15 million out of a 35 to 45 million population is now displaced. That's crazy. Either that internally yeah. or had to move across the borders. Yeah. This is, it, it's, it's hard to grab. And then you add on to that, you had the whole Afghanistan problem last year. You have our border. So look, so what I know that this year is going to be very disruptive. 
it's not going to be a normal year. I think people, you need to just do some practical things. You know, buy some extra groceries when you go to the store. I know you don't have the money to do it, but... Yeah, and that's um, the thing. You know, there's... um, I've I've seen ads, you know, buy uh, food that uh, doesn't spoil for like two years or in buckets and everything. But when you look at the cost of some of those things, yeah, it's in it's insane. You're looking at two, three, four thousand dollars, you know, for. So right now, I still think that people have a couple, three months to make some preparations. Sure, sure. But so I I don't know if we'll have an election if they knock a bunch of people out because they don't have the state approved treatment for this Charlie vector thing that in most people that have not had that are probably going to vote one way in the election. Mm -hmm. So if you knock out 10%, 20% of those people, you can change the election. Well, prayerfully it won't get to that. I mean, obviously I like what passed. If we have the election anyway, I'm, I'm still, I'm 50, 50 on whether it even takes place. Yeah. And what, what would be one thing that wouldn't allow it to take place? Uh, they, we could have another lockdown virus wave lockdown. Yeah. Cause there's talks about this new, uh, I read two days ago that the first kid in China, I forget what province it out of now is infected with the new strain of the bird flu. Right. Um, if people oh, have, really? yeah, if people have clued in, I can find the article, but at the rate things are freezing up, um, forget it. But, um, you know, there, when are people going to clue in that so much of the stuff comes from China, you know, and uh yeah it it's it, fortunate we don't get i don't know how much of our food stuffs we get from china but you know we have meat packing issues yeah. we've had what is 16 16 facilities yeah facilities food just i mean i the walmart uh distribution facility in plainfield indiana was not too far from where my sister lived and it's it's like 1.2 million square feet. Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's gone. I yeah. mean, they're having job fairs for the people because yeah. it's going to take three years to rebuild. So that, that goes back to your logistics things to bring all this stuff back on shore, you know, like yep. chip manufacturing and, and this and that yeah. and other things. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, we, Intel's breaking ground in a couple months, 15 minutes from my house to build the largest chip manufacturing facility in the world. Not potato chips. No, yeah, computer <laughs> chips. And and they're they're spending the initial investment is 20 billion, maybe up to 100 billion and there're these giant server farms out there for yeah. Facebook and Google, Google and I talk about that all the time because it it kind of it's kind of freaky to go out by there and think that this is just computers holding your data yeah. that are interacting. And they have these all over the country. It's not like we're the only ones. But Intel's building this massive chip facility out here, but it's going to take four or five years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so um, and do we have four or five years? I don't right know. It, it, look, because uh, I want to tie this to Bible prophecy. You do a real, real, real wonderful job every week at doing that. Um especially in the beginning, you have your acronym ACLU. And I'd like you to kind of go through that before we wrap this up. But we... And I'll give you the example of the acceleration. Yeah, please do. Okay, so acceleration, things are going to happen much more quickly. I'll talk about just in a second. Yeah. Convergence, all these different things. You got the Middle East, you got the alignment of the nations, you got cultural things. And we didn't even talk about all this 
transgender nonsense and wokeness in the schools and the churches and apostasy in the churches, all this is going to converge and happen at the same time. And yeah. it's going to be, there's a logistics part. Some of these things have to be put in place. Like there is a technology behind the mark of the beast. We don't know exactly what that's going to be, but you can see how this is being done. I mean, there's all kinds of things being done on chipping people. I think there's 6,000 people in Sweden now that have chips. Yeah, it's hands. like right right in here, right? Right. Oh, sorry, that's my left so, hand right now. So that's, and then understanding. Well, as we get closer, we'll understand. But just as it, to close up this with an example. So example I used this past Sunday was uh, to give you an idea of acceleration and exponential acceleration. What does that mean? Go to Yankee Stadium, seal it up so it will hold water and go out to second base and you know it's not going to disappear it's going to actually accumulate in the the floor of yankee stadium and take a dropper and drop a drop of water and then a minute later do two drops and then a minute later do four drops then eight then 16. how long does it take to fill up yankee stadium with water and the answer is just under 50 minutes. That's it's incredible. When you think about it, it just does not make sense. But understand that two minutes before it's full, it's only a quarter full. <laughs> so there's a lot that happens. That's crazy. In the last two, two minutes. minutes. Yeah. And so this is the way I think the Bible prophecy worked. This is how it worked when Jesus first coming. There were a lot of prophecies about his first coming. Yeah. 60% of them were fulfilled in the last week from around the time of the triumphal entry to his resurrection. Yeah. So understand, so Jewish prophecy, and it's a Jewish Bible, is prophecy is pattern. Pattern, yeah. So the pattern of acceleration and exponential acceleration that happened at the first coming of Christ is the pattern that we can expect at the second coming of Christ. And things will happen very, very quickly. And I think it yeah. would be, it's very easy to make the case that we live at a very unique time of history where these things are happening mm -hmm. incredibly quickly. But yeah. listen, we know how it works out in the end. And it's kind of strange. I mentioned this to my wife recently. We, we live pretty, you know, the world is like, swirling and turmoil but you know where we are it's kind of peaceful and normal and nice and all that other stuff but we need to pay attention to what's going on sure. because but we know how it works out in the end we win in the end yeah the lord returns and that's great but until then it it will give tremendous opportunities to open up people to share the gospel with people. I remember years ago that was, there was some turmoil going on in the world and one of my partners walked into my office and said, is this the end of the world? <laughs> and I said, uh, do you want to be asking me that question? Because <laughs> <laughs> I may give you any answer that you don't want to hear, but I, I think people, even secular people are seeing that there's like something going on something going on yeah for sure there is something going on the I, it's crazy because i see this po almost polarization there's those that are just completely 
turned off. Uh, they don't want anything to do with uh, what they call religion. And then there's those that have a hunger to, to find out what's going on because there is something that's going on. I mean, you can even listen to Tucker Carlson um, and you know all the people that Tucker Carlson has on and the things that he's talking about. And Tucker Carlson's not a Christian, you know, um, but he sees things happening. And uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist if you just take a look around you to figure out that something's amiss and uh, something's got to give, something's going to give. And it's not going to get any better. I think things are going to wax worse and worse as time uh, ebbs and you know, flows as we continue. Uh, but there's hope. There's hope, right, right. John? What's right, that and I don't think we should just roll over and give up. I mean, no, no, because not because we don't know exactly when right this thing ends. So until then, you know, we're supposed to be involved yeah. and and occupy. you have we have kids to yeah occupy until he comes, and we've That's got right. kids to protect and yep. grandchildren and all this other stuff because people are trying to really tear everything down. And yeah. So you got you got to fight against that. Yeah, and and at the same time as believers. It's our responsibility, especially during these times, to share the hope that we have within us, that lies within us. We are light and salt, and so we're the ones that are supposed to be out there sharing this hope and telling people, hey, yeah, it's going to get really, really ugly, but there's hope in Jesus Christ, and he's coming back soon. And at the end of the day, um, you know, the Bible says that uh, tomorrow is guaranteed to nobody as well. And so in the meantime, it's our responsibility to be sharing Christ with those around us. So in the workplace, uh, at the store, any opportunity that we get, you never know who might, you know, uh, be hungry to hear the things of God. And so um, we have to make sure that we share that hope that we have. And so uh how about in closing right now, John, you can share the gospel message, how that You know, it's, it's so very simple that um, we all, we start with the premise that we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. And we know that, that God made a way for us to come back into fellowship with him. And that was through the full, complete, finished work of Jesus Christ, who his son, who came to earth, fully God, fully man, lived a perfect life, was crucified in our place, and then buried rose, and rose again the third day, ascended to heaven with the promise that he's coming back. And believing in that gift that he offers us, that his work on the cross is full and complete to satisfy God is the gospel. That's the good news. There's mm -hmm. nothing you can do to, the bad news is there's nothing you can do to get in the right relationship with God on your own. Mm -hmm. The good news is that God made a way Amen. through the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful, that's the good news. It is. So would you mind closing, closing us in prayer? And for anybody sure, that right. might want to surrender their life to Christ, go for it, John. Sure. Lord, thanks for the time we spent together. Pray you'll um, hopefully use the words that were spoken uh, tonight, that even though they were pretty heavy topics token and not a lot uh, talked about and not a lot of uh, optimism but that 
if anybody's moved by this, understand that the time for people to make this decision about what you're going to do with Jesus Christ is short. And if there's anybody there that's hearing this, that you will guide them into this truth, that they just need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, accept the free gift of salvation that he offers, and they will be saved. And we pray for all of us that you'll just give us opportunities to share this wonderful news with people around us in a world that is really spinning rapidly out of control. Uh, bless us as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. So um, hope you guys were encouraged, blessed, challenged. I forgot to say that in Pete's, at the end of Pete's interview, or I think it was, no, at the end of Pastor Billy Crone's. And that's so important for you guys to uh, be blessed by John and uh, wonderful mind that God's given him and uh, the time that we got to spend and encouraged because Christ is coming back and there is salvation, as John also talked, salvation only in Jesus Christ and challenged because the times we live in are challenging and uh, to get into the word of God and get the word of God into you and share the gospel message. Uh, okay, John, we didn't talk about two things. And so next time, and it won't be months. So we got to do this again Maybe sure. maybe next month, because I wanted to talk about, we didn't talk about Israel um, in the sense of Israel's claim uh, to the land. God owns the land, and it's Israel's. It's always going to be Israel's. Yeah, there's uh, some big developments there. Exactly. We can talk about those. Yeah, we need to talk about that. And then another thing that I've wanted to talk about for months and months and months that really there's no coverage anymore is the New Apostolic Reformation Movement. This whole um, Ann Voss camp and co contemplative prayer and uh, sure. all of that stuff is definitely apropos to the time we're living in because um, Andy Stanley and all again all of that stuff uh, right. we we need to talk about that. So okay, well let's do it again. We'll, we'll do, do it so. again for sure. Again, uh, go to uh, fellowship. It's fbchapel.com. And underneath each one of our names is the website too. It's all throughout the entire uh, podcast uh, to visit John. Uh, well, John, you're okay. So help me out. Are you a pastor there as well and an elder? Yeah, I'm an elder and I, I preach okay. once a month. Uh, we have a pastor. Very cool. So we're just a little tiny church out in the country. Yeah, that makes a big impact. So go to their website, check it out. Go. I'll link to the YouTube channel as well. And, um, and also to the Serpents and Dove site, if you feel led to donate, please do. And uh, again, hope you guys enjoyed it. Until the next time, God bless you guys. See ya.